Welcome to this episode of the Medical Affairs Professional Society podcast series, Elevate. I'm your host, Garth Sundin, Communications Director at MAPS, and today we're speaking about health equity with Ariel Katz, CEO of H1. This episode is sponsored by H1, whose platform helps life sciences companies, hospitals, academic medical centers, and health systems connect with providers, find clinical research, locate industry experts, and benchmark their organizations. So, Ariel, it's good to speak with you again. And I am excited because I don't think we have on this podcast series spoken much about the role of medical affairs in health equity. So let's just start with the open-ended question of what in the world is the role of medical affairs in promoting health equity? Yeah, so I'm excited to be here again. It's good to chat with you. Um, When I think about health equity, it is the job of everybody in healthcare to work on this, uh, directly or indirectly. And so, uh, including H1, uh, it is our responsibility to do so. When I think about medical affairs and clinical development, specifically medical affairs, um, we need to engage with patient advocacy groups uh, that represent minorities with certain conditions We need to make sure that clinical trials have right protocols and design and eligibility criteria to make sure it's inclusive of everyone in the world or everyone in the US, wherever the clinical trials take place and work as hard as possible to make sure that individuals that have socioeconomic barriers to participate in clinical trials can still participate if the condition affects them. And so there's a lot that medical affairs can do and needs to do to promote health equity because uh, it has to be the future. And medical affairs, just like every other function in life sciences and every other function in healthcare, needs to take responsibility and accountability for understanding, communicating, educating all these disparities that do exist and filling that gap with education, which is what we're the best at. Um, so that's, that's how I think about how medical affairs should fit into this puzzle. Well, that's a heck of an overview. And I think that you mentioned about six places that medical affairs can intervene to promote (laughs) health equity. So maybe we should uh, start at the beginning. And you talked about designing treatments with the patient in mind. So how does medical affairs help to do that? You mentioned engaging with patient advocacy organizations. How does medical affairs help the industry design treatments with the patient in mind? Yeah, so when I think about medical affairs, we are the closest to the front lines in terms of engaging with advocacy groups, caretakers, physicians, nurse practitioners, and we're bringing that all that back to our organizations every day with insights, um, with with intel and everything. Um, And it is our job to partner with our clinical colleagues as they are trying to design clinical studies that are inclusive that have a diverse patient population, diverse physician population. And it is our responsibility as medical affairs to own that piece and bring that back to our organization and stand up for the voice of everyone who won't have a voice otherwise. Um, And we need to make sure that when we're engaging with physicians, uh, we're engaging with the diverse set of physicians that see a diverse set of patients. When we're engaging with patient advocacy groups, don't just go to ASCO. I mean, it's fine to go to ASCO, uh, we all do, but make sure you're hitting other advocacy groups, societies, but make sure for advocacy groups, you're hitting ones that represent minorities with cancer. Um, and so really making sure that you're engaging with everyone in the community to help take a chip at this problem. 
Well, we, you know, we think about diversity in clinical trials. You're talking about diversity in the people we engage with who are running clinical trials as well. That's an yeah. interesting perspective. You need to. Um, we are unbiased. We are like unconsciously have these biases in who we're engaging with. If you Google, if you just go to the top academic medical centers and are just engaging with the top key opinion leaders at those top academic medical centers, do you think that's representative of the country? or of the right. people with that condition. And so it, it's pretty biased. Um, I don't think it's malicious. I think it's like unconscious biases um, in how we operate. But medical affairs should take a stance and make sure they are engaging with the diverse set of individuals. Right, and maybe the leaders today grew through a system you know, that's 30 years old at this point. And yeah. you know, is, is it just that the industry and industry models and industry mechanics and academia, academia models and academia mechanics need to catch up with a new reality or, or, you know, as medical affairs professionals, do we need to be driving toward this future of inclusion and diversity, not just in clinical trials, but in the development life cycle? In the develop, yeah, it's the latter. It was so when Ken Frazier, before he left Merck, he said a really insightful thing. He was like, 10 years ago, people talked about ESG in their board meetings, but didn't do anything about it. And now you need to, everyone's environmentally aware. It's like companies are created because of that. Five years ago, people started talking about making sure you had diverse patients in your clinical trials. Um, And today we're starting to see that shift, just like we saw with ESG, that you need to do it. Like if you don't, like you will be shunned if you don't. And so they put in place metrics, they hire teams to focus on it. Uh, It's more in the conversation. I think over the next five years, it's going to be just as important as making sure that companies are carbon neutral. Like that's like, you you can't be a company today saying we are bad for the environment. That just doesn't work anymore. (laughs) And And I don't think in five years, you could be a company that doesn't have really specific metrics and goals around making sure that you're promoting health equity, diversity, um, in your studies and your education and the medicine you're creating. And I think we're really at this crazy inflection point. Uh, COVID helped accelerate it. Some of the Black Lives Matter movements that happened over the past few years helped accelerate it. Incidents with police helped accelerate it in the US. And, and so I really think it all came together and, and now we're seeing this movement and companies take action finally. You know, and medical affairs uh, as a whole talks a lot about demonstrating the value to the organization. And this seems like an area where medical affairs can really take the lead, not just executionally, but strategically in saying, look, we know that we need this broadened perspective of the real world. And look, we are the function that can provide that within the organization. I think it needs to. Today, if you look at organizations, if you look at like a life science company, a pharma company, it's generally the, the concept of health equity is either being driven by a health equity department, which are new ones that are being spun up uh, over the past year, basically, or by their clinical development teams. Since the FDA said you need to have diverse patients, uh, people listen. Uh, you don't want your drug to not be approved because you don't have diverse patients in your studies. Um, not as much by the commercial teams today. And, and with medical, it's just starting to be spoken about. We hear that one out of every 10 companies we work with. Um, but I think that's gonna change. And I think medical affairs has a critical role because we're so much on the front lines and the medical strategy is so critical to the company strategy. Um, so yeah, medical is a big piece in this puzzle. 
Well, so health equity definitely is at the forefront of people's minds now. Is, is that the only, well, I don't want to say the only, but is that the primary reason we're talking about health equity is because of society awareness, society changes, or are there new things that medical affairs can, can do now to actually promote health equity that it couldn't do before? Are there new capabilities, new competencies that allow medical affairs to make a difference now in a way it couldn't before? I think now there's access to more information and information is power if you could use it. Uh, like you can understand the race and the gender of the patients that a physician is seeing, which is interesting. So making sure that your MSLs are engaging with the physicians that see a diverse set of patients is critical, critically important. Um, I do think, so that's new. And maybe that wasn't here four years ago, three years ago. Um, but I do think this has really come from changes in the world around us and society and trickle down into our industry. Uh, and we are really at the forefront of it with COVID and vaccines. The only thing on the newsreel a year and a half ago was, are these vaccines going to be inclusive? Or do they have a diverse set of patients that it's being studied on? All you could listen to on CNN, Fox News, whatever it is. Um, and so I do think society has pushed these changes. And now medical affairs have, have the tools and the information to take action, uh, just like their clinical colleagues are. Well, you bring up the world and, you know, I've, the example of COVID vaccine availability is such an interesting one because you have the, the very macrocosmic take on that. And that's, you know, health equity across countries. And then you also have the very microcosmic take on that. And that is, you know, vaccine availability within very specific communities, within very specific cities, within very specific neighborhoods. So, you know, do you see health equity issues globally? I, I think we have a fairly decent picture of, but what are some of the health equity issues that you see more, more locally or, or regionally? I mean, I think as a country, we failed uh, in terms of health equity when it comes to the vaccine. Oh. Think about um, think about the individuals and the disparities between people that are taking the vaccine. Mm -hmm. I feel like they have access to the right information. Uh, I think we failed. Yeah, like we're not seeing the uptick we thought that we would see around vaccines. And this is a great example where this is medical affairs role. What is our job to educate? Clearly, there's an educational gap um, in certain communities in the U.S. To me, that's that's health equity at its forefront, right here, right here in our home. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's a great example where we could have done a better job educating certain communities and we didn't do that job up front and now we're paying the price. And this is a long, this is not just a COVID thing, this is years and decades of um, lack of education and engagement with certain communities. And I don't think we're gonna be able to continue to operate that way. That's gonna change in the future. Well, and again, an opportunity for medical affairs to lead. So you bring up education, you bring up engagement, I wonder if there are other uh, activities on this list of how medical affairs can work towards healing this issue of lack of, I don't know what, I, again, understanding and engagement, what, what else can medical affairs do in these communities? So I think when, I think it starts with the strategy and starts with headquarters and making this a priority. 
and making it a priority that you're not just engaging with the person with the most scientific publications who speaks on the stage at the top medical conference. Okay. But the indivi individuals you're engaging with come from a, a diverse background, um, from different communities, different educational backgrounds, see different patient populations. And if you start with that strategy, it'll start to trickle down to folks in the field. Um, and if your strategy, depending on the individuals we're talking to, changes from someone who is that top doctor at that academic medical center to someone in a more rural community or inner city community. Uh, and so I, I do think it starts with the strategy and then trickles down to content that would be useful to different communities because it, it's different depending on who you're talking to, mm -hmm. scientific content, and then comes down to education and persistency around it. Um, and so th that's how I think... Um, that is, that's the role the medical affairs needs to play. If I had a future ball, like from a Disney movie, <laughs> I would bet that medical affairs starts to do this over the next five years. And that's interesting that it could be driven by organizational strategy. You know, is the first step for a medical affairs team in, um, in working towards health equity to create the buy-in and thus create the strategy at the organizational level. And then everything flows from there. Everything, yeah, I, I, yes. Short, short answer is yes. We are seeing the C-suite of these large pharma companies make it a top priority. Yep. Top, and you're, uh, you see them creating websites, uh, different programs, acronyms for it, and hiring teams specifically for it and how they could trickle it throughout their organization. Yeah. But it also needs to come from medical affairs leadership and bring that up. Okay, uh, so up and I don't want to say down, but at least parallel. Um, yeah. Interesting. So, okay, that's where we start. <laughs> we start <laughs> with organizational strategy that may be driven by the organization moving towards medical affairs. But we also have medical affairs speaking to the organization and saying, this is something we need to do. Um, and what I hear you saying, Ariel, is that once we have that strategic imperative embedded into the organization, that every medical affairs activity that we've talked about in this conversation flows from that, you know, engagement, education, insights, um, that allows you to design around a patient population and engage a patient population. Yeah. It all starts with strategy. It all starts with medical affairs leadership strategy, and it needs to come from that team. Anecdotally, like we work with all the top 10 pharma companies. We've probably seen a handful of them, about half of them start to think about this and start to try and take action around it, which is amazing to see. I don't know where that came from. It came from the leadership and the vision or came from someone else at the organization, but we're starting to see this change. Um, and so uh, it's, it's exciting for the world. Uh, we're starting to see some of this change. Well, and I think if organizations don't, they're going to find themselves in that non-carbon neutral position <laughs> five years from now and realize that they should have done something now. Um, all right. Well, let's let's leave it there for today. Thanks, Ariel, for joining us today uh, to learn more about how your organization can partner with H1 to promote health equity from the top down and from medical affairs up and all around. Visit h1.co. MAPS members, don't forget to subscribe, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Medical Affairs Professional Society podcast series, Elevate.